So we'll open with uh, 2 Peter, uh, verses, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 2. You're going to look at the NIV. I've got a, a Bible with 26 translations. And so each verse has like seven or eight translations. And I want to fire just, well, I need my, I have to take off my distance glasses and put on my reading glasses. And I want to hit you with this here. Notice in verse 2 it says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How? How? Through you getting knowledge of the Father or Jesus Christ. Grace and peace should multiply in your life. Should multiply in your life. All right, but it goes on to say in verse five, out of the Godspeed translation, you're looking at NIV on the screens, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. This is gonna make your faith better. The following list, with goodness. Another word for goodness is virtue. Then it says knowledge, which could be intelligence. So these things bolster your faith. I'm going to prove it in in verse 8. All right, listen. From knowledge, it goes to temperance. You know know what's a a meaning for temperance? ASV, self-control. Self-restraint. I don't have restraint generally on the highways, roads, anything under 40. And to te- uh, from temperance, patience. Another word for patience is endurance. The Moffat says steadfastness, uh, fortitude, perseverance. And to patience, godliness. One of the meanings of godliness is piety. I'm not, I don't think I'm pious. Uh, devotion to God, yes, maybe. I talk to him all day. I'm just kind of running through this little list, right? These are basically fruits of the Spirit. And I'm kind of saying, do I qualify or do I not? And overall, all right, what, is godly, what, what does brotherly kindness mean? It means brotherly affection. Well, I'm not naturally brotherly affection. I have, to, I have to make a conscious effort to be brotherly affectionate. I'm just being honest with you. And then it tops it off with love. And it says if these things be in you and abound, then you do them a lot. They make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful when you get the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, do you get that? If you do these things, if, if you have self-restraint, if you're devoted to God, if you, if you can exercise brotherly love to other Christians and all the little attributes, it's going to help your faith. Did you, do you agree with me? Well, for those, for the other people... But he that lacks these things, that, you know, I'm not just pointing at people in here. I said where I lacked. He is blind and cannot see very far. And you know why these people cannot, cannot execute these fruits of the Spirit? It tells you why. It tells you why you cannot execute the, the attributes of character we just read. All right? And this is why. Because... He has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins in some way. If you can't operate in self-restraint or self-control, you have forgotten in some way, somewhere, that your sins were forgiven. 
All right. Why? Because you're condemned or you're dealing with shame. You're dealing with shame. So what happens is you lessen what Jesus did on the cross because he, he, he was supposed to die for that shame. There's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. And so what happens is, here's how these other translations read. If you cannot exercise self-control, self-restraint, endurance, devotion to God, brotherly affection, love to other Christians, and just overall love, you have forgotten somewhere that your per- sins, that, that you were purged from your old sins. You have forgotten the cleansing of your old sins. You have no memory of how you were made clean from your old sins. You were oblivious that you have been cleansed from your older sins. You have chosen to forget you have been purified from the sins of the past. And so that's kind of our text, main text scripture over the next two weeks. But listen, he goes on to say in verse 12, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. He said, I'm going to always have to bring this back to you because you're going to forget it. And so he says, I'm always going to make you remember. I'm always going to be talking about this, even though it's more basic. And so we go from there to Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption. You have it right now. That's deliverance. You're supposed to have deliverance. And, and, and salvation through his blood, the remission, which means the forgiveness of your offenses, shortcomings, trespasses, everything equal to in accordance with the riches of his grace. So it's equal. Let's, let's look at the New King James. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. What he's saying is your sins are so forgiven, it's equal to all the grace he'll ever have and he's ever had. We're not talking about limited forgiveness. We're talking about once and for all forgiveness. If you study it all out, it means all God's grace combined together is how forgiven you are. And if we supposedly know this, how forgiven we are, then why is it that me and other people that I know deal with thoughts in regards to, this is, this is the thought, the reason you're not receiving from God is the reason you're not receiving your healing, the reason you're not receiving healing for your child, the reason you're not receiving that miracle child you're believing for is because of sin in your life. If we are forgiven, and according to God in Hebrews 8, 12, your sins and iniquities he's going to have mercy on, and your lawless deeds of unrighteousness, he doesn't even remember what you did yesterday. That's your covenant. It's New Testament. How can there be sin in our lives and context of you getting your healing or your breakthrough? How can there be sin in our lives that says you can't have that? I want to stretch your thinking about the word and about what actually Jesus' work on the cross accomplished for us. At least stretch your thinking. You cannot agree with me. It's okay. I bet I'll be healed before you. This is, what, where's the power of God? Where is it? 
We got a lot of people following all the rules, all the main, main rules, all the important ones, all the important sins you're not supposed to break in order to get your healing. We have a lot of people following the rules. I just want you to at least think about this, and you'll at least leave today knowing how forgiven you really are. There's Bob Lutze running again. People, if they're not patient or don't pay attention, are going to have a tough time grasping this. But some of these things we're talking about really just don't ever get talked about in church. So give me a favor, Lord. Ephesians 1, 7. In whom we have redemption, deliverance, and salvation through his blood. Of all your offenses. What did God just say? You have deliverance for your offenses. Present tense, equal to all the riches of his grace in heaven. If you have forgiveness of sins, you have forgiveness of sins. That's what you have. That means God has forgiven you of all your sins, past, present, and future. This could be a controversial statement. The devil has no legal right to bring anything into your life because of sin in your life. The umbrella protection. You know the umbrella protection? Oh, you make a sin. God's got an umbrella protection over you. You're protected. Until you lose your temper and yell at a Catholic priest. And then it comes off. You had to be here a few weeks for that one. A few weeks ago. Then he's going to take it off. What's the difference of him just zapping you then? Oh, he's going to take the umbrella off so the devil can get you. Is that what Jesus got us? With the cross, because that's what happened under the old covenant. The devil has no legal right to bring anything into your life because of sin. And we will get to the issue of the people that hear a message like this and then go out and get a DWI next week. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, never answer before you hear the question. So don't leave yet. There are so many great men of God, truly great men of God, better than I'll ever be, that have written books and done many series on the five points, the seven points, the up to 10 points of why you don't have your healing. Why you don't have your healing. Have you ever heard these sermons? I preached one like this in 2006. If you're not convinced that your sins are completely forgiven, what happens is the devil uses a sermon like that to disqualify you from receiving your miracle. Well, I'm not good enough. Why even believe? Well, I got to get done. I got to get that out of my life before I can even speak to my mountain. No, you should be speaking to your mountain anyways and thinking you can get it Anyways, there are many reasons given in these types of sermons of why you haven't gotten your healing. One of the main reasons is you have broken the laws of health. You don't receive your healing because you break the law of rest. Am I yelling? You got to make sure you rest. Rest is important. Our spirit comes from the breath of God. But our bodies come from the ground. It's a Sabbath rest. It's one day out of seven, just like the ground rest one year out of seven. That's a valid teaching. But if you're sick and you have a problem in your body and you hear someone telling you it's because you violated the laws of health, 
That's why you're not healed. What that does for you is you have no faith for your miracle. And God, and and suddenly you start thinking, well, if if the preacher tells me like I've seen that that you, you have to lose weight before you can get to healing in your back, well, show me where Jesus ever said that. Go on a keto diet before you can get your healing. Really? I don't see that. These are violations of, of the laws of health. There, there, there are areas and times the devil reminds you of how much you've done that. There's times you're more stressed than normal. There's times, phases of our lives, I know in one of mine, for a period of three years, I got three and a half hours of sleep a night. We're, we're talking about looking in here, looking inwardly about why don't I get this from him? Why don't I get this? I guess I'm not doing this and this and this. And that's what the devil wants you. He wants you self-occupied instead of Christ-occupied. And so we're talking about looking inwardly compared to being Christ-occupied. And I, okay, I violated the laws of health from the age of 20 to 30, probably more than a decade, drinking a 24-pack of Coke Classic per week, two large bags of pizza rolls with 38 pizza rolls per bag a week, 10 frozen red-hot burritos per week. Each burrito is like that big, huge. This was all nonstop for 10 years. What do I deserve from that? I violated the laws of health. When in a time of stress, over a one-year period, I did unisom sleeping pills and got hooked. And then trying to get off unisom, I did the, I guess the natural thing, melatonin, okay? I violated the laws of health when I took two straight months of Advil three times a day because my back hurt so bad in February and March that I could barely get up and down the floor and I had a toothache and I didn't have time to go to the dentist. So to stop the pain, because I guess I didn't have the faith. And I'm not saying don't take your Advil. That's not what I'm saying. Do you understand? I'm saying you could be healed anyway. Because technically you're violating the laws of health if you do that, or you do the sleeping pills, because isn't it bad for your liver? Yes, it is. I know Advil is. So, so, So we can call... We can, can all go back and say we violated the laws of health. His diet was terrible. You should do the keto diet. Maybe you'll get your healing. I didn't hear Jesus tell anyone about anything about a diet. With all these people that drank Diet Coke and, the, and Diet Pepsi in the 90s, think about that. And they had no clue. My dad would drink. My, I can remember seeing my dad drink six tabs before noon and then get on the, and run an hour and a half. He was hydrated with tab. You remember Tab? For anyone over 50? It was the first diet drink ever. Tab, T-A-B. Pink can. What about those people? (laughs) After two decades of putting six of those into your body a day, I violated the law of health two weeks ago when I ate three Chipotle burritos, two bags of chips, and a large squawk all in one day, and I do that every 14 days, and I look forward to it. Count the days. And yes, I do it all. You'd be surprised how much you sin. 
and don't even know it. And, and, and how much you need is grace. I saw a study two years ago, and I'm not, this isn't a sin, but this is the laws of health. I was violating, I didn't even know it. They announced on Good Morning America that if you take one fish oil pill per day, every day, for a period of over five years, it increases your chance of cancer drastically. Well, I've been doing it for 10 years. I've been taking this vitamin for 10 years. I, I never heard, so I stopped taking it. And then I never heard anything else about it. And I was tired of hearing clicking all over my body as I'm walking up the stairs. People over 50 understand what I'm talking about. Fish oil will eliminate the clicking sounds in your elbows and knees and ankles. So I started taking it again. Because who knows? We could use the laws of health as an excuse all day long. When Jesus shed his blood, the blood of Jesus Christ canceled every single right the devil has to put anything, any kind of curse on you, any kind of sickness, every right the devil had was canceled. Listen now, even every right that he has to put a curse on you from mistakes you've made, those rights have been canceled. Those were his rights in the Old Testament. We should go through the healings in the New Testament and the Gospels. You won't find one Christian. You won't find one good Christian because there were no Christians. And he healed every one of them. Some of them prostitutes on the spot. When they needed demons exercised from them, he didn't sit them down and run them through a three-day program. He just did it. Greater works than those shall you do. Greater works than those. Why? Why isn't it happening? When Jesus shed his blood, if you know the power of the blood, the value of that blood to God, just to God, what the value was, the blood of Jesus has canceled every right the devil has concerning you. But we don't think that's true. Then there's another reason why people aren't healed. Sin in your life or, 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 or habitual sin. No miracle for you. Let's talk about habitual sin here. I can remember a time last February, just a few months ago during basketball season, I kept saying to myself, I was okay with my team, but we would go into these other schools, the Catholics, the Lutherans, the Baptists, and I would say, and it happened just so many times. I said, Lord, I, I don't care how bad a day it is or what happens today. I'm not going to lose my marbles today at that other school tonight. I'm not going to lose it on a referee. I'm not going to lose it on another adult. I'm not even going to lose it on a Catholic priest. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it because I'm dead to sin, dead to sin, dead to sin, dead to sin. You know that scripture, dead to sin? It doesn't really mean what you think. I'm not going to sin like that. I'm going to be on guard. And then I walk into the school, and I'm in a knockdown, drag-out argument in 30 seconds. <laughs> I'm not going to gossip today. I'm not going to exaggerate today, because exaggeration is a sin. It's technically a lie. I'm not going to go 80 miles an hour down 694. I'm not even going to go do 63 on hemlock in a 40, because that's a sin. It's a sin. And, you know, you can, you, you, you can be habitually speeding everywhere, you know. I'm not going to worry too much today because that's a sin. You know that. It's a sin. 
Romans 14, 23, but the man who has doubts, misgivings, and easy, uneasy conscience about eating, and then eats the bacon. He's talking to two Jews here. He's talking to Paul, and he's like, if you're eating with another Jew that grew up not allowed to eat bacon and, and crab claws, and anyone in here have ever fried crab claws? Raise your hand. Right, let me guess, red lobster? No, just kidding. Listen, they couldn't eat that stuff. Well, suddenly the Jews got a revelation. We can eat anything we want. Well, a lot of those Jews grew up, they couldn't eat, they couldn't. So when they, that was a big step of faith for them to eat a piece of bacon. And so God's telling Paul, when you're eating with your brother, don't eat bacon in front of him if you think he's gonna feel pressure to eat it. Because if he eats the bacon and gets guilty for it, he just sinned. And then it goes on to say, anything, whatever does not originate, proceed from faith is a sin. Whatever thought does not proceed from faith is a sin. Whatever word does not proceed from faith is a sin. Am I trying to scare you? No, I'm trying to convince you. You're sinning all the time and don't even know it. So show me the sin scale of the good ones and the bad ones. Anyone find one for me? Because you're forgiven for all of it. All of it. All of it past, present, and future. Where does the undeserved favor of God fit in with sin stopping you supposedly from getting your breakthrough? When it says in Titus 2, 11, and 12, the grace of God, his unmerited favor and blessing has come forward for the deliverance from sin. Not the law. Not, you can't obey the law perfectly. You're aware of that, right? The old covenant it, it will eventually train you to reject and renounce all ungodliness. But that takes time. You know, a baby Christian comes in here, do we expect him to change in two weeks? But on the other hand, I've seen men in this church hooked on porn for 25 years, and they never got off. They never got off, and it ruined their lives because, and you're not talking about some pious guy up here, I, I've, I've had my rounds in the porn world, okay? I'm talking viewing it like 50% of the males in the church today. That's the latest study. And I only beat it through grace, and I only beat it because I could still talk to God. And I was not condemned because of my sin. See, he will make you so shameful of that. And you're sitting there saying, I'm not going to view it today. I'm not going to watch it today. I'm not going to watch it today, Right? That's what you're saying. You're saying, I'm not going to watch it. And then one hour later, you're watching it, so you just chuck the whole day. Correct? And it pushes you farther and farther away. And I'm just saying, there's got to be another way. Why aren't people being delivered? Delivered. Why? Someone last week came across my field of vision from a distance. I'd say at least 30 feet away. They did not see me. I made sure they didn't see me. It was in a crowded atmosphere. I had not seen this person in a while. I knew they'd said a lot of negative things about me. And uh, I had a, a keyboard warrior kind of person. You know, they don't say anything to your face, right? But they can write it about you when they're not looking at you, right? And I saw this person. I thought I'd released this person in my heart. And I, 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 I'll be honest, feelings of hate flooded in. Just, ooh. And I was just, I just kind of evaluate because I had said, next time I see this person, I'm going to confront him. I'm going to confront him. 
And so I'm trying to kind of figure out, can I get over there and say some things in a crowd and not get caught? <laughs> and I chose not to, but, and then I, 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 I spent the next two hours sinning of all the things I wish I would have said. In strife in my head. Imaginary conversations. Well, they would say this and then I would say that. I pray for this person just out of general obedience. Because I heard my dad preach, if you can pray for someone who you call your enemy, Jesus said pray for your enemies, that means you might have enemies. You're going to go a long way keeping bitterness from entering your heart against them and not taking root if you can at least make yourself pray for them. And I do. But it was interesting to me that I had not let them go in my heart. I had just forgotten about them. There's so many people like that. But anyway. Well, I guess I can't receive my healing now. I just spent two hours obsessing on all the things I'd like to say to this person. So I can't go to God 45 minutes later and demand healing in my knee. Because of the sin. Can we put the picture, the sculpture of Jesus up? His body was ripped apart, ripped to pieces. The Bible says he was unrecognizable. This is the most accurate depiction of you're going to get what he actually looked like. And he, he was ripped apart so you could not get healed because of the habitual sin. Is there a difference between habitual drinking and a habitual speeding? Breaking the laws of the land? Whether if it's gossip, eating, hating somebody, uh, driving 63 down Hemlock, whatever it is. Yeah, we're going to count certain sins that keep you from getting your healing. But if I go to Whole Foods and undress a woman in the grocery store in seven seconds with my eyes and then think about her for a minute and then get it, banish it like I'm supposed to do. Do I go to 1 John 1, 9 and confess my sins right there on the spot in Whole Foods? Have I fallen out of righteousness? You know, that's what was preached for a long time. Every time you sin, you better confess it or you, because you fall out of righteousness. It is wrong. And there's some big time guys preaching that. Guys that come in here, say it right from this pulpit. I do not believe that. And I believe I could disprove that all day. Do you understand? You have been, you have been forgiven past, present, future. Righteousness is a gift. God gives you that gift when you accept Jesus into your heart. When you sin, he does not take back the gift. Otherwise, it's not a gift. It's not a gift. And so you do all this reasoning, and you disqualify yourself for your miracle, whatever it is. Instead of saying there's, there's no reason why I can't be healed, if we could put the sculpture of Jesus back up, I believe the blood that he shed here canceled every right the devil has to put sickness on me. If that's your stance, if that's your position, and you're not inwardly looking at yourself, always wondering, it, what have you got to do to get your, what you're believing? What have you got to do? Oh, I haven't done this, and I haven't done that. That's what the devil wants you doing. He wants you self-occupied. Can you just repeat after me? Say, I take on my healing. 
I put on my healing. I take my breakthrough now. Let's look at Romans 6.14. For sin shall not any longer exert dominion over you. Because you're not under the law as a slave, but under grace as a subject of God's favor. You're supposed to be a subject of God's favor, and it says sin will not dominate your life because you're not under the law. Let's flip it. Well, that means if sin is dominating your life in any way, you're under the law. You're under a Christian operating under the old covenant. You're a Christian operating under the old covenant, and you're being cursed. Because you think that's what should happen. That's what your, where your faith is. Romans 5, 17. It talks about Adam because of one man's trespass, death reigned. Much more, th- surely those who receive God's overflowing grace, that's unmerited favor. Favor you didn't work for, you don't deserve it, and you have to know it, and the free gift of righteousness all that is is God seeing you right now, where you sit right now, no matter what you did, just like he looked at Jesus when he was on this earth and never sinned. So anything Jesus said, it happened. And he, do you get what I'm saying? And so I want to do this. That word, those who receive overflowing grace from God, that actually means take. Take. Lombano means to take. Uh, just some examples. To take grace in order to carry away. So you're not just taking it, you're taking it with you. You're walking out of here with it. To take as one's own is what that means. I receive an abundance of grace. No, I take that. I apprehend that. I take it for myself. I lay hold upon it. I take possession of the grace. And that's what that scripture means to choose grace, select grace, take grace. So let's do this together. Just repeat after me on three. Will you repeat after me? I take away an abundance of grace. I take to experience an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness and pronounce myself healed. I announce my breakthrough under the authority of the blood of Jesus. Could we put the picture of Jesus up from the, from the passion, from, that, from the movie? So that's not, even, uh, that's not even accurate. I mean, he's still a pretty recognizable man. But, you know, his bones were showing in his ribs from the beating he took. And then when they were done with him, before he even went to the cross, he received all that. So you could take on your healing, so you could possess the grace for your healing, regardless of your sins or violations of health. I used to think I had to have all my sins taken care of. That I, once I was finally clean enough, straight enough in God's eyes, enough to get my breakthrough. And then I found out, I found out, like a lot of the Christian community today believes, you get yourself all straight in your own eyes, you've got your grandfather's sins to deal with, 
Yes. Yes, you've got your grandfather's sins to deal with. Jesus didn't take care of that. That wasn't enough up there. Take care of grandfather's sins, the sins of the father. I remember running across a girl one time that had a voodoo curse on our family that originated in Nigeria. And the curse was a female in every other generation would go completely nuts. And it had, it had been, this had gone on for generations. Um, it hit this, this girl that was playing for me, right? And uh, they, their family, the Christian family, was, they just thought they couldn't do anything about the curse because uh, the person that, that, uh, that put the curse on them was now dead, right? And, and, and so these, this Christian family is living out this curse because they believe, you know, that's broken. That's, that's, that, that, that shouldn't be there. That's there because they believe it. That's why that's there. It was very real. It made it real. What are you going to do when these people are, are using old covenant verses like the sins of the fathers and then those involved in the whole generational curse world, culture you could call it, they talk about the sins of commission and omission. And I'll just tell you, if you don't know what that is, you don't want to know what that is. That'll just eat into your faith. Remember doing sins of commission? Sins of commission and omission? You, you don't want to... <laughs> he died for those two. All right? You don't have, after hearing that type of sermon, you know, you don't have no a faith to speak to your mountain, especially when things are bad. Sins can be caused by omission because you did not do something. That's what a sin of omission is, is the most basic way to explain it. And it's a no-win situation. When you believe curses can be put on you, that they can burn through the blood of Jesus that covers you, I'm on my toes. Did Jesus come? Did he die for you so that we were left in a situation where his cross just wasn't enough? Did he die for your sins or not? In the old covenant, Israel's part, if they wanted blessing in their lives, they had to keep all the commands. And when they did broke the commands, they got sick. That's not your covenant. So most of the time you witness Israel as a nation being under the curse. The Bible says in the New Testament, God found fault with their covenant. People don't like to hear that. It says it. And can I say why he found fault? Because man is the weak link in the old covenant. In the new covenant, there is no weak link because we're not involved in any part of the cutting. There's nothing for us to do to get your healing, to get your breakthrough. Jesus Christ is the representative man that stands in for us on our behalf. So how do the blessings of God come to us through this? They come through us getting knowledge of him and our connection with him. That's all. That's it. How occupied are you with him? opposed to yourself. They, they come through man's representative, Jesus Christ, who is your representative. 
So today under the new covenant, how much blessing we're supposed to be receiving from God is supposed to be equivalent to how good our representative is. And it all comes through taking grace for your mistakes. Our blessing today is supposed to be through the perfection of the obedience of Jesus. That's what you focus on, not your own obedience. Not your own obedience. You are not in the picture. You are the beneficiary. Beneficiary means if someone dies, they give you all the benefits. You're not in the picture. You're not in the new covenant as one of the ones that participated in the cutting of the covenant. You did nothing. Can we put the sculpture of Jesus up? That's what was going on right there. It was a covenant being cut. And he did everything. The new covenant of grace is cut between someone who's infallible, a man who was sinless for 33 years. It was between an infallible father, an infallible son, who was standing in as your representative. That's why the Bible says you were crucified with Christ. God looks at it like you hung on the cross. I feel like we lose sight of that. I hear preachers say in the 90s a lot, if you're not receiving your healing, if you're not receiving your breakthrough, if you're not receiving your restoration, if you're not receiving that miracle child, there's nothing wrong with God. There's nothing wrong with his word. There must be something wrong with you. As I said in the 90s, I dispute that. So when I heard that, I was like, oh, oh to, to get my breakthrough? Uh, okay, I have to, I have to, I have to. You're inward looking. Uh, okay, I think th- th- there's something wrong. All right, there's nothing wrong with him. Nothing wrong with him. What's wrong with me? Right? Inward, inward, inward. Occupation. I guess Jesus didn't fix it all. I guess just believing he'll do it is not enough. If we are the reason the miracle is going to come to us that we are believing for, if we are, if we are the reason, then I'm going to be a weak link every time. I'm going to mess it up every time. Even just in sinning with my words and thoughts. I said those exact words in 2006 in a sermon. I hope they don't still sell it. There's nothing wrong with God. There's nothing wrong with his word. That means there must be something wrong with you. Well, I'm here to tell you today, I believe new covenant preaching, there's nothing wrong with God the Father. There's nothing wrong with his son. And there's nothing wrong with you. That's what I believe. And that's what you have to see, that he sees you as complete in him. It would be impossible for the Holy Spirit to live in you. Are you aware of that? If he did not see you, through the gift of righteousness, as he saw his son Jesus, it would be impossible for the Holy Spirit to live in you if God didn't see you through the eyes of Jesus. Now, why should you not be healed? Why should you not get your breakthrough? Why should you not have the child you've been believing for? You know, one time I watched in Singapore, uh, 
they were, uh, in Joseph Prince's church, they were on to, get this, this is in the early 2000s. He was trying to teach the ladies in that church that they could have uh, childbirth pain-free because that's what the Bible says. So they, I mean, they went all the way. It, it, it says it. So, so I got a bunch of ladies smiling at me. But, <laughs> well, I saw the testimonies of the ladies. The four ladies in a row got up and said, you know, had the baby in 25 minutes, didn't feel a thing. Why? Because they believed they could do it. And they believed that nothing they, 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 nothing they did could affect them from having that. That's a promise that he died for. Okay? And so... If you can't have a child, you'll never have a child because of the things you, I've seen uh, uh, them tell a woman, you can't have a child because of two abortions in your teenage years, and it, it, and it messed you all up on the inside the way they were done, and she had a perfect baby. I've seen, I've seen someone with an incurable sexual disease just with no, ex, no explanation, and we've, we've seen the reports it, it, it's true. I mean, people heal from sexual diseases that are not healable, that, that you have for the rest of your life. I'm just saying, but it's, think about what she had to get over before she was healed from that. Do you hear me? She had to get over the condemnation from getting it, or she never would have gotten her healing. She never would have gotten it. So, so, so you, oh, you, you, you can't have a child because you did all these things when you were younger. And then, and then, so what happens? She doesn't believe for it. She just doesn't believe for it. She doesn't even speak it into existence. And so I'm going to just close on this story here. Um, this, this sermon originated from a, I have something that's really old. It's called a, a right believing pod from Joseph Prince. And this is when, you know, the iPods, they didn't have the, the little flash drives. Now you wouldn't even be able to get it. It has 55 sermons on it. And I have a bunch of them because I'll, I want to listen. That's what I listen to. And I heard this sermon very similar from 2004. And he told this story. And he was saying it was a true story about a woman that, that they believed God for a baby. It took them a long time. It was like a, considered a miracle child. They finally had the baby, this couple. And he comes home to find his wife trying to strangle the baby. And um, so long story short, after like six months of counseling, it came out that early in their marriage she, she had committed adultery on him and because the doctor concluded that because of the shame and the guilt that she put herself under every single day subconsciously, she tried to kill the gift that God gave her because she was trying to punish herself for what she had done years earlier. And so, we will do that, you know. There's something inherent in here um, where you will punish yourself. Have you ever been in a situation where you knew you were doing something really wrong and you were caught and you just kept doing it? Oh, none of you guys? Okay, never mind. You know. <laughs> and every... <laughs> Never mind. Okay, uh, I'm going to go ahead and close here, and I want to close with some confessions over you, all right, with some prayer over you. Now, remember, this is something that you take. You take these words. You don't receive, I receive. No, take it. Grab it. 
Grab it and run out of here with what I'm about to speak over you. Grab it and run out of here. Not, I mean, not right away, right? But <laughs> with what I'm about to speak over you, all right? Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you, not, not just everyone here, but, but everyone online, and we just cover everyone's extended families, their pets, and every piece and part of their lives. We boldly confess through the blood of Jesus that, that we are healed in our minds, and our wills, your will can be healed. My emotions, our bodies are healed. We are blessed with Abraham's blessing of spiritual life, prosperity, and health. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. We, through the blood of the eternal spirit, the blood purges their consciousness. Right now, anything standing in the way, that's a scripture, Hebrews 9.14, the, the blood purges your conscience from sin right now. We draw near to God through the blood of Jesus, the blood sprinkles our consciousnesses and our bodies are washed with the pure water of the word. Hebrews 10, 22. And we live by faith. And our faith is in the blood of Jesus. And because of the blood of Jesus, we are forgiven. We are redeemed. We are set free. And we are healed. The blood of Jesus purges our consciousnesses. I just can't get off that phrase from dead works to serve a living God. We have boldness. We have boldness to enter the holiest, holies by the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10, 19, the very most sacred place with God, you can be bold and you can just enter right in. I picture almost stepping, you know how the veil is ripped? He ripped the veil, I picture a line of blood and I just, right through into the holies. There was a time in worship I had to sit down because I felt like I was there. And you access it through the blood. The Holy Spirit shows them how to translate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ into their personal victory. When we plead the blood, we are justified. God blots out our sins and he does not remember them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.